Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. Here we are then. How the devil are you? I know you've been very excited. It's episode 10. We're very happy that we've got to episode 10. We're really happy with all our guests. We're extra happy that episode 10 this week is Mr. Joseph Gilgan. Stop you screaming, you lot. I know you're happy. Um, It's, well, what can I say? The great thing is about Joe is... He's very honest, as all our guests are on the Two Shot Podcast. They're all very honest. They're very relaxed. Um, We've been trying to work out dates with Joe for a while. He agreed to come on um, a fair bit ago. And uh, he doesn't really do lots of interviews. I'm just looking at producer Griff. He's nodding his head. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. um, So the fact that he agreed to come on with us um, to have a natter is uh, what's made our day. And I know it's made... A lot of your days too, so I really hope you enjoy it. One last thing to tell you, um, please stick around for the end of the podcast. Uh, I want to talk to you about our Patreon site. I've got a big shout out for a hell of a lot of people who have been very kind and donated. So I will see you after Mr. Joseph Gilgan. We did a podcast, Craig. I've heard it. Um, Did you? Yeah. What did you think? I loved it. Did you? Yeah. It went downhill because what I realised, what we realised, because I don't do any social media, um, it's not It's not because I don't, it's not necessarily because I don't understand, I don't understand a lot of it, like only because I don't, I didn't, I've never done it. Yeah. But the main reason I don't do it is just that I'm not technically, technologically very good at all that kind of shit. You know, I can barely use my fucking phone. So... I, I, I can't do a Facebook thing or something like that. I just find every time... But anyway, so I'm going off subject, but... So what happened was... Just had a bloody spliff in garden. <laughs> just explain to all the listeners. <laughs> so a spliff and now I'm having my first beer in what's been a few weeks. Could go one or two ways. But, um... So we'd done this podcast and then, um... We showed it to my agent. And everybody li- seemed to like it. It's just that some of the stuff was could potentially career ending, is what my agent said. <laughs> so, so, some of it. Some of it. Yeah. Um, and you can't. You just can't. The thing is, as well, is you can't. And this is why I'm bringing social media into it. Is that if you with things like with big jobs, with things like with the way our, our work's going now. A lot of the actors obviously are involved in social media, and it's it's got a big pull to yeah. the audience. A lot of people are checking that sort of stuff out, and I don't do that. I've I've sort of said no to all that, and um, it means that I don't have to do that. In my, I can just concentrate on my acting, you know. Um, so if I was to do like a podcast, it opens a a, a bit of a floodgate, really, that you can't control. People are going to want to know. Why I do, at the moment no one gives a shit that I'm not on Facebook, you know, no one cares. 
that I'm not on Instagram and all that. So it does make me feel sad about it. I go on like people's Instagrams and stuff. There's not you don't you never see a shit life, do you? I've never looked at Instagram. Have you not? No, we're on Instagram for the podcast, but I leave all that to Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he sorts all that out. I, I don't only because I've got it on my phone. I don't know how to do it. I generally don't know how to do no. it. No, I've just started to get used to Twitter just for this podcast. It just fucking gets me down. I, I look at it. I just like everyone's like living the most incredible life, you know, and they all look fucking fantastic. Yeah, on Everest. With the bird and fucking Alan the Sherpa that's took them all this, you know, they've been through this near-death experience. Or then the ne- next picture, they'll be on a fucking beach. It's just, I, I like, I just think, Christ, all I've got is a push bike. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm fucking fought a turkey next to that. <laughs> that's all I've got. not even got a bird. Like, girls, I've got nothing to offer a girl, really. I'm a, you know, if anyone's in the market for a man who hasn't showered for four days... The only yeah. reason I've had a shower is, is for you, really, well, and I'm, the listeners. I am absolutely, I'm honoured. So Most in imperial case, lever. In case no one knows who's talking, uh, this week we've, uh, we've come to producer Griff's kitchen uh, to sit down with a podcast first. Is a podcast first, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, it's Joseph Gilgan. Thanks for having me. You're more than welcome. It's nice, isn't it, in Griff's house? I love it. I said he lives a life, doesn't he, in here? He really has, He's been round mine, and I've been round his now, and I think he's doing all right. Nice high ceilings. He's our posh, handsome mate, Griff. (laughs) You want to see his body under that? Have you ever seen his body? He's ripped. He is fucking jacked, this man. You're not doing any more. Jay loves it. Look at him. Keep it going. Go on, go on, go on. Keep it going, keep it going for Griff, please. Um, Joe, how's tricks? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. Like, peaks and troughs, you know what I mean? I'm not perfect or anything, but uh, I seem to be doing all right at the moment. I've got, like, every now and again, I do get a bit down in the dumps. Don't we all? Um, But I seem to be clawing my way out of that. (laughs) (laughs) It happens when I finish jobs. Like, do you you ever get that? Well, finish a job and just... Sometimes I feel, if I finish a job, I go... feel so relaxed and then I, I get ill yeah yeah yeah. Uh, but sometimes I mourn a little job you are I mourn it yeah yeah well I don't know what it is it's like oh, it feels like it feels to me it's like running into a brick wall suddenly everything just stops and it all goes really quiet I don't quite know what to do with myself afterwards and also like if you've if, if I've been away um, I forget how to be with my bloody mates a little bit how do you cope with being away? Because it affects people. Yeah. I know some people that absolutely love it. And I love it for about a few days. Yeah. And then I go, I just want to go home. You get a bit lonely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think I go through a lot of phases. I've been away for six months on the last job I did. And uh, and that was far away from home. Um, that was abroad. And I... I, I, I do I do miss I, I think do you know what man I'll be honest with you I'm shocking myself saying it but I think I caught with it quite well I didn't initially I remember when I did I did a um, my first film in the States I did it for uh, uh, this big job and I, I honestly man I was shitting myself like I could barely cope on the you know going through customs I remember going through customs just having like this out of body 
fucking panic attack experience. I didn't go to ground or anything. I rode it out. You know, like there were tons of people who were just fucking hard as nails for riding out these waves of anxiety and that. Um, Were you... Was the anxiety about the the job itself or going out there? It's all... At the time I was doing that, I was just coming out off the back of a, a bad bout of bipolar and it was... My anxiety was generalised. It was about all kinds of stupid shit. I mean, mainly what I've what I what I've learnt is is it's always it starts somewhere, doesn't it? It has to start with a what if, you yeah. know? What if this fucking happens? And then before you know it, you're worrying about you know if you've got bad anxiety, if you're crippled by it, um, you can be worrying about the next nuclear fucking war, like it's somehow. Just yeah, you've just goes yeah completely off track. Yeah. And it's and it's just a nightmare to find your way back, the source of where that came from. Because that's the key, really. Sometimes is is just getting to the bottom of what can I do anything about it now. At the time, I like I just it was for the last witch hunter um, in America, and I remember my agents who were amazing. Um, they really understand all that, you know. I think a lot of actors do suffer with it, and. Um, they were saying, look, do you think you can do it? I was like, I fucking have to do it. You know, this is like any young, a dream, like a dream job, like to just any, for any reason to go across the, the waters and film and that stuff. Cause I never thought I'd ever get that opportunity, man. I, I thought that was reserved for the upper classes, like your posh actors, your yeah. Benedict Cumberbatches and, and them kind of gents, you know? Um, so I really didn't ever think there was any potential for me to go out there and do something like that. I remember my mate, uh, one of my mates, Michael Soccer, he'd gone out there and done done a bit of... Um, I don't know what it was he was doing. Uh sound like a bit of a twat now, I can't remember it. But he, he uh, you know, I remember thinking, shit, man, he's gone and done it. Like, he's managed it. They've got, like... A, and he's from my back, kind of a background, you know? Yeah. Um He's a working class lad, and uh, so it, it, I think seeing him do that made me think, oh, well, it's fucking doable then. It's definitely doable. So when that opportunity came up, I was just like, I've got, if I don't do this, I'll regret it for the rest of my life. This is my in. Of course. That's the way I, I saw it in my head. This is my way in. Uh, so I just did it. I remember my agent saying, do you want, are you sure you feel like you can do this? I was like, I've got to. I said I said something really corny and I remember exactly what I said, right? What did you say? I said, I, I want to talk. <laughs> I want to take the bull by the horns. I want to pull it to the ground. I want to fuck, fuck it up its arse, I think is what I said. <laughs> but it sounds really aggressive to fuck it up its arse now. It does. Um, doesn't it? Yeah. It's uncomfortable. It jars with you a little bit. And I said it to, I think I said it to my agent, Maddie, who's really lovely and small and southern. You know, she speaks like this all the time. Joe, do you feel like you can do it? She doesn't say like that. Joe, <laughs> yeah. so, I do want to um, go back and talk about sort of ADHD and things like that yeah. later on. All right. But I just want to go back to your home life, uh, trying to start at the beginning. So with your mum and you've got two sisters, haven't you? Yeah. And what did your, what do your parents do for a living? My dad... Isn't so good. My dad's like he's he used to um, he used to be a builder. He worked at a Baxi's foundry, 
um, when I was little. Um, in Chorley? In Wigan, Wigan, it was, yeah. And uh, was it in Wigan? We made that up. He doesn't know. Um, yeah, so he worked He worked at a foundry. Uh, my mother was a stay-at-home mum. And eventually my dad, he got made redundant from the foundry and he he ended up doing lots of little jobs here and there. What did he do? He was like a bloody window fitter for a while. But he was always, my dad, it's a shame, man, because my dad was always a like a brilliant carpenter, you know. Yeah. He did everything in our house. It's all fitted and all our walls are bent and warped. It's like this old knackered cottage, you know. Um, but he doesn't, he's like, he, he, well, he drinks a bit now, dad. So he's not, you know, he can't work. It's like, it's just not safe for him to work now. And he's getting old as well. Yeah. Be furious if it had said it. <laughs> but um, he's a good dad, bless him. Tries. And what's the age difference between you and your sisters? Um, well, our Jenny's two years younger than me and Rosie's four, so... Right, so they're not massive amounts of difference no, between you as well? No, no, no. And what do they do? They run a cafe in the middle of the woods and I live in a derelict part of that um, in a room... Be at like around the back of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my life now. Um, yeah. So they're on this little cafe with my mum. It's nice, man. They've got, they've got a nice set up. I mean, I don't know whether they're making any fucking money on it. Like, I don't I think they're losing it. <laughs> well, they happy. Yeah. They seem to be. Yeah. They seem to be. They're, ama- they're amazing, them, the girls. Like, they, they're just fascinating. Like, they're younger than me, but I mean, mentally, mentally, they're, way way more mature than i could ever dream to be like they just really got their heads screwed on they work their asses off and my mum um she's she's the same she works like fucking mad they're amazing all of them really so i work it's an age where i can appreciate what you know i can see i can i've, I've stopped being starring my own movie recently <laughs> just realized they were uh they're amazing that little bunch is so what what was school like for you it wasn't good, really. Um, school was good. They, they tried with me. Um, primary school, I was... Um, they, gave, they told me I had dyslexia. I remember all the kids getting homework and not getting it. I know now at 30 that I really... I, I wanted that fucking homework. Um, I wanted to be able to go back and say I'd done it. But my mum and my dad, had, it wasn't that they weren't helping me. I had a good mum and dad, you know. Um it's just that I, I couldn't get it. I couldn't grasp it. It was t- too f- far beyond my ab- realm to affect at the time, you know. So a lady called Mrs. Skeens, um, she had heard of dyslexia. Uh, there was a talk of it. And this lady came in, I can't remember what her name was, but a, a kid told me that she had boobs like melons when she got there. I remember just fucking finding that hilarious. That's amazing that I've remembered that shit, actually. <laughs> he was older than me. He was in the, like, you know, I never put two and two together that he was probably struggling as well. But anyway, so um, I got diagnosed with that at school, dyslexia. And did they sit down, did they explain to you what it was? Yeah, I remember my mum just telling me that I'm not, I'm not thick. You're not thick. You just, you're not as academic as the other children, and that's all right, you know. And it's not that I've not to try. 
she was a good mum. I, I did have it good. Like my teacher, Mrs. Skeens, was very understanding of it, and we worked really hard to to sort of improve where I could. I remember doing. I had to every single day. I had to do capital ABCs and um, lowercase ABCs, and that that really improved my my spelling for a, for a time. But I'd always write backwards and fuck things up, you know, yeah. that way. And did you um, feel a sense of relief? Uh, in a way, when you were diagnosed, because you were obviously there was a lot of frustration there when you yeah, do the yeah. homework, so you knew that it was yeah. I was sick once. I remember doing this. We were all made to do um, a small assay. It was like an A4 piece of paper, and I remember this lady, Mrs. Jones, was over my shoulder, and I was going, "I'm ill." Like it's, I'm, uh, I remember saying, "I'm going to be sick." She, I don't think she believed me. I think it was just the stress of having to write all this stuff. So to have to, to be able to point at something. And go, oh, Christ, I think more for my mum and dad as well, who were worried that they had a complete simpleton on their hands here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it's dyslexia, thank Christ for that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe something can be done. But we, you know, they were very understanding. It was frustrating, though. I remember wanting to, I wanted to be like the other kids. I remember Ben Hewitt was a kid that stands out. He had this incredible handwriting and just grasped everything straight away. And I remember just thinking, how the fuck do you do that, man? Yeah. Like, how do you do that? Um, I'm still like that. I'm still terrible. Like, we were laughing at one of my spellings today. I was showing my mate Tomo on this walk. I had spelt scientists. Um, and, I mean, it's just like... I'm, it couldn't have been more wrong. He pissed himself. <laughs> you know, you've got to be able to laugh. I've, that's what I've learned. You just learn coping strategies and shit. Do you know what? I can barely read and write now. Um, my spelling's so bad. Like I'd need, you'd need, I'd need someone who knows me to be able to, to be able to make sense of a lot of it. You know, yeah. like me more, more one of my close friends as my sisters or something. And obviously we're jumping around now, but yeah. how do you deal with, uh, when you get scripts? I just, because sometimes, you know, you'll get sent a script and they go, Oh, they want you mm. to see you tomorrow. Mm. Or, and also you've got to learn it. You've got to be off book. Yeah. I just tell them they, they need to give me the time. Otherwise it's just completely pointless. You know, I think if I can't give you it, if I can't be as good as I can possibly be for you, then don't see me. Like, it would make no sense to see me um, and just be upfront and as honest as I can about it, you know? Yeah. And I've never had one one director or one casting director say that that's... They've, all, they've always been really understanding. You know, this is the fucking... It's been the millennia. And since then, it's just people's understanding of it is... I remember in a... Dude, when I got to... I went away and I remember I got to an airport and I said to this guy, I was like, mate, I can't read or write. And uh, it gets really bad when I'm anxious. It just got spirals out yeah. of control. And um, this guy went, well, you've got problems then, haven't you? I was like, what? that was the first time in a long, long time um, I'd Ooh. got that kind of a reaction. Where was this? This was in, I was in America. It was one of my first times getting to an airport in the States. And, um, was it when you had to fill the cards in or something? It was at bloody... I'll tell you where it was. It was at... Um, oh, what's that fucking massive one? You've got to get like, on shuttles and that. You've got to get on a shuttle to go. You know them kind of airports? You've got to get on a fucking... And I didn't know... It was like three or four letters and numbers all together and I just couldn't make sense of it. And I ended up 
pulling it out and I had to give him a fucking tip before he'd tell me the bastard. You know, I had to pay him $10. I was like, I've only got $10. He went, well, you're going to have to give it me then, you know. I can't remember. I'm not going to attempt that accent. He was cool, actually. Sounded cool. Bastard. <laughs> Sounded cool. Until fucking so just going back to secondary school, Yeah. when did, when did the acting... Come into play. Started. When did it the start? The acting started in, in primary school. Oh, did it? Initially, yeah. Because I was... I was acting the Pratt a lot and um, I, I got told it was like, it wasn't really a punishment. I think what, what ended up, I'll tell you what ended up happening. Shit. We had this lady moved in behind us, right? Um, called Helen McElveen. Shout mm-hmm. out to Helen McElveen. She was, she, she worked the boom. Um, she was a boom operator on at Coronation Street. Right. She moved in behind us. Um, and she said, you know what? I see kids like that all the fucking time. Irritating little bastards who just can't sit still, you know. And they all come from this place in uh, in Oldham, Oldham Theatre Workshop. Stick him in there. There's a, and there's this guy called David Johnson, and a shout-out to him too, because this guy <laughs> just fucking brutally whipped children into shape, man. Like... Um, so they took me. They took me to David. <laughs> David <laughs> oh man, I've got really fond memories of it. Uh, really, I've, no, I'll not tell you. That's too weird. Tell, um, me, tell me after. Yeah, I'll tell you after. Um, but uh, remind me as well because that is. I will. I've got a list of things that we'll do off off mic. I wish I knew what happened to that ring. But anyway, so I got a fucking. <laughs> I got sent to to, to Oldham Theatre Workshop. And what um, age were you now, mate? I would have been eight years old. Wow. Yeah, I was only young. Um, was this a once a week thing or once a... It, it, and I can't remember it. I was there all the time. I, did, I mean, I did plays and stuff. And I remember running up toward Christmas, there'd be um, one after another, play after play after play after play. But we got sectioned off. There's a group of kids on my first day, we got sectioned off. I got sectioned off with a, a group of other kids. And will the fucking parents of blah blah blah? blah. My mum told me this story just the other day, so I fucking remember it. Um, and she, they, they said this these, this group of kids. She thought I'd been got in trouble. She thought I'd been a twat. Um, this group of kids we can do something with, and you have to pay us a bit of money, and we'll give you an agent. We'll give you an agent, which was land management. Yeah. I can't, I don't remember how much it was, but I thought we didn't have a lot of money. I mean, my dad worked his ass off, he cycled to and from work doing these long shifts. And um, so we didn't have much at the time. And I think they let me come in until until my mum could afford it. They let me on the, in on the snide. I had to keep my mouth shut, you yeah. know. Um, and eventually we did start paying them. Uh, but they sent me to... Um, an audition and I fucking got it. It was like my second audition. I think I'd gone to, and it was for, um, was it, what the fuck was it? I can't remember what it was. You're creepy, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's because, uh, uh, Griff is mooching around, uh, the dining table filming and taking photos <laughs> And uh, poor Joe finds it slightly creepy. And he doesn't talk like when he's doing these oh, he things. Speak. He doesn't speak. He doesn't speak. 
refuses to speak. He's there, people. He's fucking very much there, <laughs> the leering pervert. He's got a big smile across his very handsome face. Look at him. Don't talk to him about his handsome face. He loves it. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. I need it. <laughs> I need it, not Griff. So we're going off track. So handsome. So old theatre workshop. Yeah. How long were we there for? I were there for years. I, um, putting on different plays and productions and David Johnson was like this really strict little man. Uh, very, very, spoke like that all the time. If he fucking hears this, I am dead. <laughs> I am dead. He was, I was, he was absolutely terrifying. And I think that the man might have been a genius. I really do. Like, the discipline he taught me. He made me, it put me in a place where it was like, that. all that, all the players, all, it was all, it's all about, it's not about what, you nece- what you're doing necessarily, though there might be casting directors, there might be someone important and uh, influential in the industry in that audience, there might be, that could be the night that person goes, oh, fucking hell, you're the one I'm after, like, yeah. for this big role we've got in mind. I mean, that does happen. Um, it's always like that, isn't it? Right yeah, to the right place. It is. It is for a lot of people. Yeah. But I think David's role was, and that acting school was, this is how you need to be. If you want to fucking land a role, then you have to be disciplined on time. I'm never late, man. I'm never, ever late. On time, like, yeah. I'm always on time. I can't stand that shit when people are just fucking rolling late from so work. So many people who we've had on the podcast have said one thing. Turn up on time, know your shit. Yeah, man, it's simple. Yeah. Like, we have a, like, emotionally, it's a very demanding job. But essentially what actors are doing is they're fucking playing out for the day. I'm 33, you know, for crying out loud. The least I can do is <laughs> fucking get up on time. And, mate, I'm up till all I was getting baked, you know, like just shitting myself <laughs> about what ifs the next day. Like, oh, the fucking hell, what if I, what if... You know, um, but I fucking drag myself out of bed. I'm, I'm there on time. It's not cool to be late. If you are one of them actors, you're listening. If you're a fest, but it just fucking rolls in whenever you fancy it, pull your britches up. <laughs> not cool, Leo. It's not. It's not, not cool, but how paradise. fantastic that you got that discipline. Yeah, so, and it was him, so man. He made me terrified. He made me terrified to be to be anything but as good as I could possibly be. You know, and occasionally when I was as good as I could possibly be, possibly be, and he'd see that that I was trying to be as good as I could possibly be, he'd still fucking bollock me for it. He was old school, man. I, I found him. T- I remember once he went, this group of kids just must have been fucking around. You can see him in the corner of his eyes, like, fuck, fuck, fuck. When you there. No, this is what he said. He went, you there and stop. Shit. Stop you, shit. <laughs> And then everyone's like, don't, they don't know who it is. He went, the one with the hair. <laughs> Everyone's got hair, man. And the longer you're leaving it, the fucking worse it's getting. He's getting more and more angry. I remember a kid called Ryan Leslie. He was fearless with him. Um, uh, God, fucking hell, my memories of him. So, he made me laugh so much, that kid. I was only young. I was from, the, you know, from countryside. <laughs> at this little primary school where bullying didn't exist, you know, fucking uniforms only come into play in the last year of being there, for crying out loud. And then you just put in this inner-city acting school, you know, with kids who just don't give a shit, man. Like, they're just there for a laugh, you know. I'm there because I'm a pain in the ass. You know, I need somewhere to channel all this excess energy and 
my mum and dad were amazing, you know, running me back and forth from that. They ne- I was never fucking late. I was always on to you. Could- <laughs> you just couldn't be late for him, man. I saw him make men cry, like grown up men, like coming back the next week, like please, please let me back in. I'm so sorry. Like I'll, I'll, I'll be on time. I'll know my lights, you know, just a terrifying man. And I, I bet, I'm willing to bet that he hasn't mellowed one bit, <laughs> you know. But he, honestly, like, that man, am- an amazing man. And I know he was very fond of me. Uh, and I'm no, very it sounds like he was, and he obviously wanted to push you to be the best person and best actor you could possibly be, even yeah, at man. such a young age. And a scatterbrain, he could see that I was a misbehaving, I was prone to misbehaving and not concentrating. He could see that. He could see that I wanted to act up and be the centre of attention. When, and that's not how it is. That's just not life. You can't, you can't do that in this industry. You've got to know when to... Shut up. Shut your mouth, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I've been trying to learn that for 20 years. Me too, man. I'm, I, and I'm still learning. But And, and look, I'm sorry if people listening, and, it, and it's boring, I've said this before, but the great thing about what, what we embark on is you never stop learning. No, so it's great right, that no. you, you fall over and you make mm. a mistake, but it's all right because you can rectify that next time because you mm. know where that pothole is. It's the truth, man. I'm, I mean, I'm. You'd think that as an actor, you'd you'd be able to understand yourself well. I mean, I, I struggle. I do struggle. I, I'm getting better at it um, as I'm getting a little older. But I've struggled to know what I need, you know, and especially when it comes to roles, like I've struggled to know how to censor myself against what I'm doing, you know, um, and not to get too wrapped up in things and too, you know, too obsessive um, because it can be really damaging and isolating, you know. I think going back to what we were talking about early on when I was just fucking rambling at the start... um, you know, when you're gone, when you're away for a long time, you're in a fucking hotel room um, and on your days off, everyone's bloody in, aren't they, you know? Yeah. It's not like we're all living this life of Riley. That's not how it goes. That can be, that can become very, it can be, can be very lonely if you're in that mindset, you know? And you've, I suppose that's another thing I've, I've learned to live, be able to live with myself, you know? when I'm doing these jobs, that's one thing I've learned. I suppose, and also... I teach myself recently. The older you get, the better you know yourself. Yeah. So then you know what you need mm. not to go down that rabbit hole. If it's if you're going down the loneliness thing yeah. when you're away, you go, right, I need to get yeah, Stop watching out. Ted Bundy fucking documentaries on YouTube. Yeah, don't do that. It's not mainly Ted Bundy. Like, I'll go through a few, you know what I mean? I'll not just watch the same documentary over and over again. I mean, that's what—that's definitely how you get yourself ill. When I was really young, when I, when I first started, when I first started getting telework, um, when I was doing Emmerdale, it was, I really struggled, man. Like, I, I got so depressed, my fucking hair fell out. Do you remember that, Griff? For the record. That's a, that's a nod from us. nodding. Yeah. And it looked like, a, it was like a big butt like thing there, like that. Uh, like a fit an old fifty p's sized patch of hair fell out of my head. I was why 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 was that? I was just so depressed because of what? Because considering a, I just didn't know what how to cope, were, man. You were going home every day, weren't you? you were, no, no, I was living away. up there. Yeah, I was I was up there and living on with Todd for the first time. How old were you now? I would have been uh, fuck young, man. I'd have been like twenty one or something, twenty one, twenty two, something like that. 
you know. Still had a, I had a good airline. I remember having a decent airline, better than now. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> But at the back, it started, my hair felt, I remember all my hair felt falling out. She went, this lady went in this makeup artist, she went, have you always been, I had a little bald spot there. I went, what are you talking about? She went, you've got this little patch. Anyway, so they had to fucking spray a little, had to get makeup on it, you know. Um, and do you think you you were unhappy because you were worried? Or well, it turned you... it turned out that I you know I suffer with bipolar, and we didn't know that. We just I was down as being a kid who was probably under a lot of pressure. But um, when was that diagnosed? That was diagnosed um, after I finished Pride. Right, uh, so we're. Not uh, not not that long, long ago. ago, yeah. So I've been on all the wrong drugs, you know. I've always been on some sort of an antidepressant or uh, a sedative or some shit to stop me going completely off the rails. But um, let's sit back. Being said, you know, I've recently I went to because I went to America and, and in America they treat mental health differently. And I remember thinking, if I pay the money, I can get a second diagnosis. And they said it was like, there was this guy said, have you ever ran down the street naked? I said, no. He said, have you ever done like, have you ever done stupid things that might hurt you or someone else? I said, well, not really. Like, not that nothing that's, I won't put it past me, like, but I don't remember that sort of a thing. Yeah. Basically, by the time we got to the end of this conversation, it went on and on and on, all these sort of questions. Um... Euphoria, do you ever get euphoria to the point where, you know, you can't sleep for days? And, you know, it turned out I didn't have, you know, if I have bipolar, it's called something called cycler. Fucking hell. It'd be, I'd do well to remember this, really, wouldn't I? <laughs> I've been brought it up. It'd be good be to, the, finish, to finish yeah. the story. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a deal breaker. <laughs> we can always Google it. <laughs> Tom, will you Google it? Cycle of something or other. Yeah, he's going to safari this situation right, right now. He's on it. Christ, I feel like Joe Rogan. <laughs> he has a bloke that does all that, doesn't he? But you know what? He talks. He actually will Why say can't something. we get one of those blokes that does that? Chatty fella, nice chatty fella. It's only because we're a young little baby podcast. He's got on about episode 500. It's because a kid told him that once he sounded like Gary Barlow. <laughs> See, this is the great thing about having a, uh, a really good mate of, of Griff's on the podcast. We can get a lot of secret information. Oh, I can give you tons, yeah. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that should just be a whole other podcast in itself, to be honest. Yeah, man, we can do that. We'll have another night. Get uh, Griff. Bring, bring him down. <laughs> bring him down like the rest of us. So while... Um, uh, Griff's on the Google. Mm. <laughs> I'm searching. <gasps> Stop the press. Searching at the moment for cycler something or other. No, <laughs> cycler, cycler, put mental cycler health. Depression. Cycler, some, cycler, fucking question mark, that's what you want. Don't he sound like Gary people? Um, He's so going to edit that out. Don't edit it out. <laughs> tell, them, tell them what happens when they... Uh, year ten girl at the school I was teaching at so sounded like oh yeah he told he told the child to fuck he, so this girl it sounded like do you know it sounded like just like Gary Barlow you he went fuck off I'm sorry oh. I'm so sorry told the child to fuck, fuck how, old, how old was she 
Year 10. Oh. Do you when you screamed cunt in, Gra- in Grace's face <laughs> and fell off that wall? You just, with your fist back behind you like Wolverine. <laughs> Fuck! In her face like that, all her hair blowing behind her. She's called Grace. She's little and blonde. Awful. Have you found it? <laughs> no, man. Pointless, this. Come on. So, we've got off the rails. So, I don't Grace. know what's wrong with me. So, I've ended up taking... I'm on lo- as lower meds as I've been on. And I... At the moment, and I feel good, man. I'm, I've worked out the fucking key with my age. I've started way too late, but I've learned the key. One of the big, big things if, if you're suffering with mental health, you and it's it's so difficult, man. But you have you have to exercise. You just have to do it if you can. You absolutely should be doing that. Um, it's no good sitting on the couch every single day, which I've done for years, man. I've locked myself away. And when I'm not working and seeing my mates and cut myself off, people that I work with fucking worrying about me, I'm not getting back in touch and all this kind of stuff, you know, and just not done a single thing about it. Just thought if I just sit here for long enough, it might just go away all this. Yeah. And uh, it just doesn't work like that. You have to work hard for it sometimes. I mean, you know, I suddenly realised on a run once... Like, started running five years ago, which was fucking horrendous. Like, the biggest pothead of all time. You know, my lungs and body did not want to be a runner. Like, for fucking years, they didn't want to be. Like, why do you keep making us do this, man? You We keep showing you every fucking run you do that will fuck you up. You know this is painful, and you're doing it again. Like, I just kept making myself do it. And I remember this, on this um, run, looking down, and we... I think I had Nike shoes on. could see the tick in front of me. Tick, 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 tick. I thought I started thinking about Nike because you think about all sorts of stupid shit on runs. Like, yeah. oh, one, one, what windowsills were made from? No, probably plastic, you know. <laughs> um, and the just do it slogan means, obviously it means just just get up and do it. Go and do it. I always thought it was like some extreme, like, just do it, man, you know, just fuck, take the jump, be gnarly. But it's not that. It's it's just fuck. It suddenly occurred to me on the run. I don't know why I've told you that. But it, 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 that is what it is. Nike totally have it down, man. You've just got a fucking foot. It's just the hardest thing to do when you're in that place, you know, is get up and go for a fucking walk or a run. You know, especially when you're shitting yourself. I remember like... um. I had a bit of a rough bout of uh, anxiety on Pride. I couldn't, I couldn't have been on a better job uh, to have been suffering like I did. I mean, that was as extreme as it's ever got. And um, and how did it manifest itself? I honestly don't know. I'd, th- I'd finished the series of Misfits, that was it, it was over. Um, and I jumped into Pride pretty much straight afterwards. And it'd been like... I think it had been something... I can't remember. How long did Misfits shoot for a, a season? Four? Was it four, four months? Sounds yeah. about right. And I just think I was just completely burnt from Misfits. Jumped into that and mentally I wasn't in a good place. Like, for the first time, I, I actually thought there was something wrong with me. Like, I thought I might be have a fucking tumour or something. Something terrible, like... The symptoms of anxiety I'd never I'd never had before, man. Like I'd never had like the spinning out and um, uh, you know, like everyone was so loud, man. Like everything was so loud, and uh, 
and bright. Like, the, like I had sense, like on me fucking. I thought that I had some sort. They thought I had maybe a sinus infection or something like that. And this doctor came around. He was like, "Dude, you're just shitting yourself. These are the symptoms of a panic attack. You know, these are all you're just fighting it off." You've got general anxiety, and I was going like, "No, I don't, mate. I don't have fucking general. I just get depressed." He's like, "No, nah, I'm telling you, man. Like, there's nothing wrong with your sinuses. I've looked down your ears, looked down your nose, um, looked up your bum. Told me afterwards he didn't need to do that, um, but he he was really like he really checked the list, man, and it was just." Uh, you know, I just couldn't believe it, mate. I was, I was like, what the fuck does that mean? And I remember when I'd finished that job, um, and the so film... And after, uh, so after he'd said that, <clears throat> that it was just this anxiety... Yeah. Did you accept that or relax in any way? To, I did. I, I, how, did I, I, was, I think that just made me more anxious, because then I was like, oh, fuck, what can I can do about that. I mean, like, people tell me to chill all the time. Quite an intense dude. Like, um, but and and it, I just I can't do it. I can't switch off. You know, I can't do that by myself unless I take like a fucking diazepam or smoke a spliff. And did it subside? Um, it did eventually, yeah. But I had to really work at it, man. Like when I finished that job, when I finished that job, um, I I was I started. I couldn't even go to the shop for fucking milk by the time I got home. Um, I was sleeping I'd, I'd gone moved in with my mate and I was sleeping in like my bedroom was the front room of this house and there's like a main road in front of that I just remember being super anxious every night in this front room like people <laughs> having fucking wars outside like battles like Trevor it's not worth it leave him Lee leave him Lee People fucking threatening to knock each other's dogs out. Like, I'll knock your fucking dog. I swear to God, I'll knock it clean out, lad. You know, hearing stuff like the stuff you'd hear from that fucking window. Shit, just shitting myself. I could appreciate it now. It's funny now. But at the time, I was thinking, oh, please don't knock any dogs out. I just can't, can't bear it. But anyway, so that, it, it sort of, I'd, I'd never had, it was then, I, it was around that period I realised that I, I use my anxiety it fuels me. Like, there's not a single job I've ever done where I'm not thinking I have to fucking do as good as I can possibly be, as good as I could possibly be. I mean, I know every actor must feel the same way. Um, I don't know. I've met some that act like they don't give a shit. I think that's the trend, though, you know, as well. Do you think? I think there's, a, there's, a, there's like a, a weird entitlement for some... And I think for some it works. You know, I think it actually gets some fucking jobs. You see bell ends all the time. And, yeah, no, I agree with you. You know, you're like, yeah. how the fuck have you managed that when you're as big a wanker as you are? It's because someone somewhere digs that. You know, they they see that ego as being because you, you you know we all have an ego. Actors do. I think artists do to some extent. Yeah. Um, and it's a very fra- mine's a very fragile one. Um, but you know, you see these fucking people like that. You, I mean, your air listers. Half of them are fucking psychopaths, man. You know what I mean? Like... My uh, producer, Griff, here. Normally we like to let these podcasts ramble wherever they want to go, but in the interests of not wanting to wreck anyone's career, I've had to do a little bit of an edit job. Normal service will resume shortly when the A-list of Hollywood have finished being castigated by Mr Gilgan. Nice one. 
Yeah. This is not fact, and this might not make the edit. Well, please. He says. This is it. This is this is terribly career-threatening. This is what we discussed. Yeah, man. Did you ever think when you were at Oldham Theatre Workshop and you were there up until what age? It's going to fall down now, that. Love it. Uh, Get a picture of that. Where are you now? You know what I mean? <laughs> Creeping around over here for hours. Sneaky bastard. Sorry. Go on. What age were you? When did you leave? I was So I was eight when I went and I'd have been about... Because they ended up moving to a... The Oldham Theatre Workshop got knocked down. Yeah. It was a sad day, man. And uh, but I think for a while I stopped going. Yeah, I did. I stopped going for a long time because I started getting. So I got a job. I got a job. That was the first thing. I went to Oldham Theatre Workshop. Got disciplined. I'm terrified of David Johnson. My mum would drive me there. My dad would drive me there every every other day. And um, and then I got this uh, uh, agency with them. And uh, the agency got me an audition. Got the audition and ended up doing four years on Coronation Street as a little lad. I played Jamie Armstrong. Um, I used to look after Jack Duckworth's pigeons. I used to get a terribly hard time. By the time I got into secondary school, I was... I think I was still doing it. Was I still, yeah, I was. Was I still doing it? Yeah. I was still on... And I was developing in this, like... I didn't know it at the time. I was only young. But I was developing in a very adult environment for my age. And I think I was struggling a lot with secondary school, really. I didn't know. I couldn't... I'd come from this little primary school where there wasn't much bullying, didn't exist. And by the time I got to secondary school, there was a lot of that, you know, there was a lot of, like, ribbing of each other. And um, that was a big fucking wake-up call, man, that, like, going to secondary school. I remember it being very jarring and getting tough quick to it you know what I mean yeah. like you've no option did um, you feel supported by the teachers at the secondary school I did yeah some of them I don't I think to some degree I was like an annoying little shit dude like cocky little bastard I was at that age um I don't know I, I don't remember much I remember a lot of frustration in secondary school and I don't I, I don't necessarily think it was the school's fault at all like it was just my situation was very difficult socially knowing how to um, d- deal with, you know, knowing that I, I just def- constantly defend, felt like I was on the defence with people. Yeah. And struggled to let people in, I guess, you know. Um, I was young on the fucking TV. I had not a lot of money, but I had a bit of money for my age. You yeah. know, I remember having, like, new trainers and that. And that was a new thing. Like, you know, our family couldn't, pay for bloody to afford the, the fucking drama classes no yeah. you know and i was able to get everyone a big shop <laughs> like it's a big deal man so um and we was the drama on the syllabus at the secondary school yeah eventually i i think yeah i don't, can't remember i might be making this up so don't put it past me but i think you had to maybe had to be you had to get to a certain year before you did drama right I might be making that up though dude do you remember anything about the classes i do yeah i i enjoyed it but did I'm, you feel, because you'd been doing th- workshop yeah. for so long, 
you were way ahead or you felt yeah I did ahead. yeah, yeah. I, did. I did not, feel not, not in a smug way just because you've been doing that yeah I just knew I, yeah I knew it wasn't um, it wasn't there was never like an uh, the I just it was something that was familiar to me you know what I mean I just thought I can't, this isn't a, a class where it was a class where I could achieve man is what it fucking was more than anything everything else all the academic classes English maths and all them you know I couldn't I, I just couldn't grasp it but drama, straight away, like that was something I knew I could do. Yeah. Like, so I, I, I loved it. I loved the drama class. I found it easy, in a sense, just because there wasn't the pressure of the, the academic classes. So a bit of a release. Yeah, right? massive release, yeah. yeah. But at the time, I, you know, during this period, well, as, as I left Coronation Street, um, I remember that when that all stopped... Um, and that stopped for a few years. I didn't go back to an acting school for a few years. I did it, went through my teen period, really. Having spots and getting into fights and feeling, being a cool guy. I wore a lot of Brill cream in my hair. I remember that. I'm having a really shiny forehead all the time because it's <laughs> fucking Brill cream. Like a glossed man. Um, yeah. I remember the way I met Quail, I think, was... I mean, one of my mates, Quail, I, I met him, I was being a twat with him in a pair, in a cream outfit. A Reebok classic wearing wanker. You know, <laughs> one of them dickheads. We've all been there. Yeah. I mean, I started have a pair of Reebok classics. They've got trendy now, haven't they? They've come back. Yeah, they Always have. comes full circle. Do you ever feel... <clears throat> because you'd been essentially training mm. since you were eight at the workshop and getting that discipline, did you ever feel the need to go to a London drama school. No, no I didn't. Like we didn't, we never considered it, man. I don't I don't remember there being any chat in the air about that. I remember one of my a friend that lived up the road from me. He lived in a big house and his dad worked for the telly and he's he was going to some boarding school. So there was a bit of talk in the air of me getting potentially getting a grant I think at one point, but we just never really when grants existed. Yeah, yeah, back in the day. Yeah. Um, I didn't know they'd stop doing grants. I'm out of touch, me. I only watch YouTube. <laughs> I do. The ten brilliant things found in back gardens. <laughs> I could tell we could talk about that. Honestly, found a plug, didn't they, Griff? Found this plug in a fucking rock. The lads don't believe it. It's just fucking... It's like, it's been proven, boys. Like, the scientists, they've been at this. You know what I mean? <laughs> They've been checking rocks out. They know it's a fucking oh, five life. million in rock, man. We're well, hammering it. I don't. Uh, do you ever think about giving up acting? Sometimes I do. Yeah, I think like I'll start a life in the meadows of Ireland or some shit with some fucking thatch roof and wear massive jumpers. Uh, but you know, I'm just a fucking fantasist. I, like I live my life in my head. You know, every run I have, I'm like this fucking marathon runner. You know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> remember when I said I'm the star of my own movie? Like, I literally am in some like getting home, <laughs> running up to my mum, who doesn't understand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so it's just a myth for me, because, you know, it's the only thing I'm fucking good at. Like, um, 
I'm saying that, and I, you know what, I, mean, I watch myself this year on Preacher, and they tell me all the time, people are lovely with me, mate, and I don't believe one of them. Like, <laughs> I watch me work, and I'm just fucking despair of myself, like, you fucking lazy tosser. Like, what was that bullshit, you know? Do you think you give yourself too much of our time? Well, yeah, I reckon I probably do. I mean, going off what people say to me, like, I need to leave myself alone, but... There's not a single job I do where I'm not, like, very critical of myself. It's not to the point where I'll go, can I go again? Can I go again? I'm not one of those guys. Yeah. Like, if you're happy with it, then, you know, it's my job to be cool with that. I was taught yeah. that early on. Um, and the thing is, as well, with actors, I think a lot of us don't... When when the scene's going down, you win some and you lose some. Like, you might have been brilliant in that, you know, but you, we'll only ever watch ourselves... That's why most fucking directors don't want to play you what you've just done. They don't want to give you playback because you might only watch yourself instead of watching the fucking scene, you know. Which, so, which turns into a vanity project. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So you have to let it go. Well, I, I don't watch. I, 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 stop, I love to. I stop watching. I watch it and, like, if, if they'll let me, you know, if there's time, there's rarely time, yeah. you know. But if if the opportunity arises, if they play back on camera or whatever, I'll, I'll I'm one of the ones at the fucking monitor, like desperately trying. <laughs> and I'm only watching myself, you know. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm that twat, you know. I'm not. Like, well, you, are you completely self-critical about what you do? Very, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I, you know, the stuff. There's certain scenes that you um, every now and again you just don't feel like you quite found it. You know, you might have understood what was going on, but you couldn't find that in you after that lasagna or whatever you've had. You've overwhelmed by a Sam lasagna at lunch or whatever. That's ridiculous. I never bloody eat lunch. I'm too fucking busy shitting myself. I never eat it. I lose loads of weight on a job, man. Like, because I just can't get it down. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm fueling myself because if I don't, I'll die. Like, that's the only reason I'm eating, really. I said that to a therapist once. She went, do you feel like that often? I thought, I fucking, I, I do on jo- on jobs I do. Like, I come home, I'm always starving when I get back. Ill and hungry, like yeah, you say. Yeah. Like, yeah. And do you ever feel disillusioned by the whole game, Joe? Because uh, you've been doing it for so long now and you've done, you know, loads of different stuff and you, work-wise, you know, obviously brilliant training with the workshop that was yeah. drawn into you so much. Yeah. Um... Yeah, sometimes I feel a bit out of touch with the with the rest of the world, you know. In what uh, way? And I have a bit of an imposter syndrome thing with it where I don't belong, belong there and feel like I, I should have had this life as, I don't know. Do you, not, do you not think we all feel like that, though? Because I, yeah. I know I do. I, I'm always... Scared not, of getting caught. Always scared of getting caught out. Yeah. And you always think, right, well, that's it now, isn't it? Yeah, I've had a good run. I think I, do. I think I just feel a bit sometimes a bit out of touch with, uh, and I mean there's another like with the whole social media thing as well. It's getting to a point now where I'm definitely out of touch with things. You know, I didn't get, I couldn't understand what a hashtag was for ages. Could I? I kept going hashtag. So every time I do something stupid, like I go hashtag Gilgan life. <laughs> And I was doing that for a long time. I was doing it in interviews and stuff like that. So it turns out you can't hashtag life. Didn't know, man. I just didn't get it. Like, I do feel a bit out of touch with it. 
with uh, sometimes because especially if I'm in a bit of a funny headspace, you know, I struggle to socialise and. Um, people's first impression of you is often important, you know, and if their first impression of you is on your work and you're feeling and you're in a bad place, you know, you can't... Uh, fucking... I don't know how to say it. Um, yeah, I struggle sometimes, as he is where I put it. Uh, but, I'm, I, you know, I do adore my job and I know, I, I'm, I, you know, I know how lucky I am to have it. I'm incredibly lucky to have it. Because, uh, fuck, I mean, I don't know what I'd do without it. Like, really, I don't. I can't do anything else. It's this or H&A Wines again. Did you ever want to do anything else? No, no, I didn't. I didn't want to, you know, as a kid, I wanted to be a fucking fireman or some shit like that. Yeah. Right? You don't ask a kid what he wants to be. <laughs> I want to be an actor. Like, it's very rare. Or maybe they do now, I don't know. But I, like, I was never one of them I, but I remember as soon as I went to... That was one thing I was good at. And I think the relief of me being good at something, I, they told me I was good. They told me a lot. You know, you're brilliant at this, man. You're brilliant. Um, and I believed him. And he felt you accepted. Know, I did, yeah. yeah. I felt good and good, like on a level with these kids in that place, you know. They were all just like me. They are all fucking nuts. Every one of them was mental. So I had that in common. For the first time in a long time, I was I was told I was good at something. It was a big deal, and I didn't need help, you know, <laughs> to improvise or you yeah, know, you're on your yeah. own, like using your wit. So, and I loved that, you know. And, and, and fortunately, and it's worth me mentioning this. We went through a long in between uh, plays and productions and stuff that we'd put on. Uh, we'd do a lot of improvising. And that was my favourite thing to do. We'd all get in a big circle and you'd be given a scenario. And it was up to you whether you pr- pratted around or not. If you wanted to make people laugh or you wanted to get fucking moody, you know. Yeah. Um, rarely do you ever go mo- you ever go to that moody place. Unless, you, <laughs> unless you're told to, in which case you're fucking better off that you can put out a moody performance. <laughs> otherwise you are getting rattled in front of everyone. <laughs> What the fuck was that? He doesn't swear. I shouldn't be swearing for him. I shouldn't be doing a swearing voice. If you called him Dave. Sorry, David. My name is David. <laughs> fuck. Sorry, David. He'll kill me for that, you know. Yeah, but he was he really was amazing, that guy. He really fucking shaped me. Um but no, there's never been an an alternative for me. I've always enjoyed um, you know, there's occasions where I think, oh, God, I should, I should be a grime MC. Is what I should be. Really? Like, what am I doing, man? Is this it's the fantasist again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or all this climbing, telling you, man, you're going to be the next. Who? Alex Bonder Schnappers, <laughs> whoever from Sweden. The old Swedish ones are good, aren't they? Swedish climbers. Or the next cyclist, you know, whatever. I believe it. I'm always in I'm always in a role somewhere, you know, in my head. I sat with a girl on fucking James Bond, you know. <laughs> you never really meet me. This is the, this is it. Like if you want to know me, this is it. Like you're getting it now. This is the reality. This is the real me. But what it happened is. with the fashion degree? Yeah, well I, st- I started that. I didn't know what to fucking I'll tell you what made me do that, you know. Do you remember, you see, this is the fantasy again, right? Um, 
So do you remember the the program, the salon? All them really trendy. Oh yeah. my god, I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the hairdresser reality show. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Oh, how cool! My mum used to go, "God, they're so fucking cool. These bastards, aren't they, Joseph?" And obviously, my mum sat there. I'm like, yeah, whatever your mum says. Um, and they were fucking cool. You know, they were Londoners. Cool as fuck, Londoners. They're, like, up there. Like, so cool, they look like something wrong with them. <laughs> um, so I loved that, and I wanted to be one of them people. And I remember thinking, well, you can draw people, and you're into your clothes. Um, I like what they were wearing anyway. So I remember thinking, <laughs> right, I'll do a fashion degree. And I remember, like, looking at what was on offer. <coughs> And Preston did a year naught course. And I think one of the ones that was available was a fashion degree as well. So there was that pull as obviously a big part of the reason I did it. I got into that and I was never really serious about it. It's, it has to be, um, you have to live that, you know what I mean? Like this is a period where I was, I'd sort of think I'd, I wasn't acting and it wasn't, you know, I was starting to... But you had done, you, is this, this is after Coronation Street and everything, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I've lied actually. I'm contradicting myself because before I said I'd, I, there was ne- there's never been a point where I felt like doing anything else. But for a, for a while, I thought I was going to be a famous fashion designer, and it was my personality that was going to win these people over. You know what I mean? You have to make good gear. You have to produce good clothing. Um, but I loved doing it. I did enjoy it. Like I enjoyed the year. Nort course was amazing. Like, and I passed it. I think I passed it anyway. Um, but it was never something I wanted to do. In this year two, you know, I was starting to waver a bit and uh, ended up binning it off. I, I think more than anything, I was doing that for my mum as well. Like, my mum wanted me to she give college a try. She knew that it's, like, kind of the, some of the happiest days of your life. Or, no, I'm all right, I do. Um, yeah, some of the happiest days of your life, you know. Uh, but I, and I did have good times, but it wasn't. It just wasn't me, man. I I, I wasn't. I remember that one of the big factors for leaving was that I, I put in a lot of coursework, and I was academically, um, I didn't. I wasn't great with my spellings and my descriptions. People were struggling to understand what it was I was saying. Yeah, and so I, I was receiving poor marks because of my academics. And I remember thinking that's just isn't cool man like that's it, it shouldn't be like this i saw the injustice in that and uh i remember thinking i don't want anything to do with this bullshit you know fuck it like i'll just i'll do something else like if it, if this is what it takes i mean i just don't it shouldn't be about my spelling for crying out loud just r- try to understand and if you can't then fucking get someone give, give us a bell <laughs> give us a bell i've worked my ass off on it like surely there's some way to cater for, for young men and women like that who are in that position, I'm sure there is now. I hope there is. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I know that that's a big ask. I know that everyone's so individual. You know, it's it's a big undertaking, that sort of a thing. But that's how it has to be. If that's how it has to be, then that's how it has to fucking be. You know, it's about finding that child's strength. And I don't think people invest enough into... Well, they certainly didn't back then... I don't know, actually, that's not fair. They were trying. They were trying to. But every, every, you know, every young person's passion and creativity should be catered for and nurtured and looked after. You know, look at this. Griff just comes to the table with... Uh, two beers. Two craft beers. Um, 
Are you content with with the acting? Does it make you happy? Does it still give you the buzz? Yeah, it does. Some some do. They really meet. I love the scenes like anything with tears or um, uh, f- fucking raw emotion where you can lose your fucking mind. Like I, I, I love all that stuff, man. I mean, it drains the shit out of me. I think yeah. it probably beats me up a little bit and all, to be honest with you. But I do love letting it go, man. I, do, I try not to cry in my own time. Like, I don't know, it's some, you know, like boxers won't have sex before a fight. Like, I won't cry before a roll. Like, I'll bottle it and bottle it and bottle it. And by the time I get to the point where they say action, I'm just so ready to fucking go, you know. Um, trouble is, I run out, man. I get a big cry out the way and it's gone. Yeah. So you better fucking get it, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, because some, some, they can just turn it on. Mm. Some people can just turn it on. My wife's really good at just going, going to a dark place mm. and Niagara Falls. Mm. I can't. I'm like, you have to mm. save it mm. all up and mm. then we've got one in. Yeah, yeah. Let's get it done. Because I'm going to spend it all here. Yeah. You know. Um, I suppose that day hopefully will never come where you're not anxious when you're on set because maybe then the that's, passion, if you, that's the passion gone. I think throw the towel in when you get to that point where, you, you know, you're not, you've not got the shakes and you're not like, there's got, you know, I, I really do use it um, is what I've learned. Like there's never been a role I've done where I've not, you know, in my head, I'm just in this mixture of despair and, and knowing that occasionally I've done a good job, you know. The roles I, the roles I watch where I think, fucking hell, I've, I've done a good job there are the ones where people just let me be a little bit, you know, and you're tied to a script and there's a, a very stylized way of shooting. Um, you can often be quite stifled. I feel quite stifled by that. Do you that. feel rest- restrained by yeah, that? Yeah, I do. And I, <clears throat> I, that can, you know, and you, I feel like I could, I mean, I don't know whether the audience do, I'm sure... I mean, the, the, I've, I've been very lucky. People are always quite nice about what I've, my performances and whatnot. Touch wood. Fucking hell. Can't be doing with that, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> fucking got enough, man. Um, yeah, people have always been really good about them. But, there are, you know, there are moments I watch myself and I just think, fuck, man, you, like, you just need to... You could have done anything other than what you've just done with that there, you fucking lazy twat or... And I'm, in the moment, I'm not being lazy. Like my head's working overdrive, trying to figure out a way to do it, um, and not fuck it up and let people down. You know, that's the big worry. Do you ever think? Because you know, sometimes when, because you said before, if the director goes, uh, "Say, Joe, do you want another one?" and you will probably say, something, "You know, if you're happy, let's move on." Yeah. And you see, so you're putting that trust in that director there, aren't you? Yeah. You so got, do you ever think? By maybe not watching, like say not watching playback during mm. shoot. I, I watch it because sometimes when I watch it, I can watch. I, I'm like, oh, it's not as bad as I thought. You know. Oh, so it would you it know? would help with your anxiety. Yeah, it right, would. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So occasionally, but I'll never be the one to watch it and go. You know, I'm, I you know I'm, I want to go again. I don't feel like I hit it on that one or whatever. Um, there have been occasions where I've. I've known that I've found it, I've realised what it is. 
and I've asked to go again, but that's very rare. Yeah. You know, um, I've had to learn to, to just let that shit go. You know, you've got to, it's fucking hard. And I'll worry about it. I'll worry about it till I see it. Um, if I can't watch it back. Yeah. You know, I did some pocket dialogue for preaching not long ago. They're all going, it's great. Don't worry about it. I was like, I'm fucking, I just can't stop thinking about it. Um, and they were sweet enough to, next time I went up for ADR, they, they played it back for me so I could listen to it. I could barely hear what it was. It was like <laughs> a muffle <laughs> the back of a fucking room somewhere. That's why they were telling me not to worry. But, I, you know, my head doesn't work like that. I'm just... You know, everything matters, everything counts, you know. It's got to, I've got to try my best to do as good as I can possibly do. And I'd been sprung with the script on the day. That was one of those moments where, can you do this as well? Right, so your level went right up then. Fucking off the scale, man. I was yeah. like, what? What? It's, th- it's three, it's three pages, you know. I'm like, I can't, I'm dyslexic, guys. I just need a bit of time. Like, maybe if you were to give me some, well, you can have some time. But then you're waiting, aren't you? You're waiting for me to learn it, I'm saying, you know. But it doesn't matter. It's only pocket pocket dialogue. It's like, it does matter. It does. It's my voice. They'll 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 know that I've not tried. You know. And then before you know it, I'm fucking all worked up. Then I'm trying to pull myself back the whole time in the back of my head. I'm going, don't overget yourself, mate, because you go in there. Um, it's not, not not that I don't throw paddies or anything, but no. I get upset with myself because I know <laughs> yeah, that you I can't. Beat yourself up a bit. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's tough for me to claw my way back then. I mean, I can still do my fucking job, but it's just inside I'm having a bit of a war now, you know. I'm not just thinking about that. I'm now thinking about how I'm coping with this whole... You know, I'm getting better at that, though, Like I have to say. And working out in a way that's... I've been working with a guy called Matty Talbot. Talbot? I'll never get his second name right, Matty. He was the pro, he's the pro, producer of... Uh, preacher and he's been in like just brilliant at like i remember what i said to him once i said matty i'm fucking do you know i'm shitting myself man between me and you i am just shitting myself uh this is massive it's a massive deal and uh, I, I just hope i don't fuck it up i'm just always panicking and worried that i'm fucking it up he went you're not fucking it up and he went and just so you know he went it's all right that you feel that way um, I mean, it doesn't make any difference to us. Like, we don't mind. We still like you. It makes no difference at all to us that you feel that way. But, dude, what a fucking... It was just <laughs> the, the best thing anyone could have said. Like, yeah. you know, I, I, I was just so sure that everyone... Because my thing is I fucking try and I hide it well, you know. I hide it well. And people think I'm, you know, I'm super fucking confident. But I'm just trying to shit you up. I'm just going to try to scare you so you don't get me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm socially in control, motherfucker. <laughs> Check out this for wit. You know, big dick on a wall. Hey, what am I like? What am I fucking like? Don't ever try it on. Don't ever try it on. Um, but inside, you know, there's a part of me just thinking, shit, how am I going to handle this one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm sure that's true of a lot of people. I think it is. We all love the mountains to climb every job's a new Everest. Yeah. But I, honestly, and I really, I really mean it, I love your ethics. I love that you care so much. I wish you didn't Thanks, beat yourself up as you do, but do you know what? Uh, me too, man. I think 
people should care a little bit more about oh, what man. they do. If you've not, if you come from that affluent background where you know, and you are in a position where you, you don't give a shit, just have a think on people who haven't. You know, who, who this is all I can do, man. This is all I can do. I don't know what else I'll do with my life. You know, I really, I mean, fuck me. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, there's nothing else I can do. I have to do this, you know. Um, there is no other option for me. So if you're not sat there thinking how fucking lucky you are, then you are g- genuinely just a cunt, like, you're just a wanker. Like, knock it on the head, do something else if you can, you know. Leave it to poor bastards like me, who, like, literally <laughs> can, there's no one else they fucking can do, you know. Uh, Joe... I'm going to leave it there. Thanks and for having me, man. Thanks so much for coming on. I love no. spending time with you. It's brilliant. Me, you. It's good to see you again, man. Right, should we eat some chilli? Yeah, let's eat chilli. Better be good, Griff, I'm telling you now, man. <laughs> well, there you go. The one, the only, Joe Gilgan. How good was that? Um, I really hope you enjoyed it. I, I, look, I loved spending time with Joe. I don't spend enough time with him. Um, And neither do you. So you need a bit of that in your life. Go back and re-listen to it. Tell your mates, episode 10, it's the big one, Joe Gilgan. Um, I hope it uh, inspired some of you. I hope it touched some of you. And I hope it was really entertaining because it bloody was when I was in the room, I tell you. Now, do you remember at the beginning... I was speaking about the Patreon site we've set up, www.patreon.com forward slash twoshotpod. It's where you can throw us a bit of money to keep these episodes going or to go, do you know what, Craig, producer Griff, I love your podcast. Here, here's a couple of quid every month. Instead of going to have that pint, I'm going to, who buys a pint for £2 nowadays? What can you get for £2? It's all right, throw it to us. You get more episodes. But there is a list of people that I am going to do a big shout out now because they have been very, very generous, okay? These are the big patron TSP family members, right? A massive shout out to you all. Listen up. John Griffin. You know it, I feel it. Thank you so much. Sydney Rivera Mabry, you are a legend. Nev Pierce. Love your work, brother. Thank you for joining us. The ever-lovely Shaheen Baig. So, so touched you did that. Lisa Stevens. Thank you. Oh, hello. It's Josh Pappenheim. Thank you so much. Proud member of the family. Wendy Colon, thank you so much. You are bloody generous. Peter Fletcher, there he is. Thank you, mate. Really appreciate it. Kelly Santos, you are particularly generous. In fact, all of you are massively generous and we really, really appreciate it, honestly. Uh, We'll keep the podcast coming for you and everybody else that's listening, but especially to you lot. Want to join them? Go on the patreon.com forward slash two shot pod website. Take a look, have a look at the video, read what we've put out. And um, I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff. This has been the two shot podcast. And we shall see you next week. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. Cheers.